Welcome to The Rentals, The Bottom Line, a podcast featuring conversations and interviews with people from around the rental industry, with a look at the challenges, questions, goals, and tips that business owners want to know about and have answered. Welcome to another episode of Rentals, The Bottom Line. I'm Alexis Brum, editor of Rental. Back in 2020, I spoke with Jim Colvin, president and CEO of Sirius Labs, and Wade Carson, senior product director, about how VR technologies aid in training, especially now during the COVID era. Let's get to the bottom of that now. Jim and Wade, can you tell me a bit about you and your background? Sure, I'll kick that off. Um, I'm Jim Colvin. I'm the president and CEO of Sirius Labs. My background is I've been a, you know, a 30-year entrepreneur, uh, investor in technology. I'm also a technology lawyer, practice both in Canada and Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, I'm always really excited about uh, experimenting in, in helping small and medium-sized tech companies grow. And Sirius Labs, uh, my background is Sirius Labs. So I took over the role after investing back in 2012 and have been the president and CEO ever since. And uh, mine is uh, Wade Carson and I'm the senior director of product at Sirius Labs. I've held many roles. I've been with the company for 14 years. Uh, I came on in the marketing department. Uh, my background in education is in marketing and design. Um, quickly dove into the, the development of, of products in the trenches, doing animation and modeling and all the things that uh, the development team do, uh, which really uh, bolstered the technical understanding of how we do what we do. Uh, and then step more into the business side, uh, speaking with customers, um, being in the more strategic angle of the business. And now I'm focused on product and making sure that our products are solving uh, problems and pains in the industry to make sure that everything that we deliver to the industry and our customers is relevant. Great. Well, we're very happy to have you both today. So let's jump right in. What is Sirius Labs and what is the company's story and mission? Uh, Well, I'll start here. Sirius Labs is um, a technology company that applies leading edge technologies to create um, training solutions for the heavy industrial sector. Um, That's a big mouthful. Effectively, what we've done is we've taken modalities that a new generational workforce is comfortable with in other parts of their life, like virtual reality and video game technology, and turned that into training products that can educate them and keep them safe on work sites, but uh, in an engaging way uh, that delivers a learning outcome, uh, not just entertainment. Uh, so that's the gen- that's the nexus of what we actually do. Wade, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think I think that summarizes our current state of affairs and sort of uh, how the future can be shaped around what we do. A little bit of the history of the company is that we've we spent a lot of time in the simulation uh, industry, really trying to focus on how do you take gaming technology and rapid prototyping to industry to solve problems. So how do you have uh, subject matter experts in the oil and gas industry or in the construction industry or or, or whatever uh, vertical we're trying to approach and really build something that's meaningful, not something that's cool, but something that brings value to the customer. And that that 
core business, the simulation component, has has uh, garnered a team that is uh, of an ilk that uh, is hard to describe. They're they're an exceptionally uh, talented group of people um, that we have that actually build all this stuff and allow us to speak outward about the great things that we can bring to bring to bear in the industry. Great, and I'm going to throw it back to Jim here. How does Sirius Labs aim to increase learning engagement and collapse the gap between vocational training and job site readiness? Great. So on the, pardon me, on the engagement front, uh, that really is by applying these type of uh, modalities that Wade was describing, uh, video game technology and, and now virtual reality, which is still reasonably nascent as it applies to solving real problems beyond just entertainment. Um, That engagement factor by creating that learning by doing environment or learning by interacting, that's a different type of learning in your brain, which maintains that information so much better. Passive learning sits around 10% retention, whereas anything moving right up into learning by doing um, is, uh, gets up to in the territory of 90%. So these tools really do enable the learner to engage better. Um, What does that mean as far, actually, could you just repeat the second part of your question? Yeah, absolutely. So how does Sirius Labs aim to increase learning engagement and then collapse the gap between vocational training and job site readiness? Okay, that's a great second part of that question, um, Lexus. And and in fact, one of the biggest challenges in in, um, industry is, is job site readiness. So you get somebody out of high school, and then they decide to go into vocational trades, and they go to a a post-secondary institution of some kind. Uh, They're all over the world. And then they learn a vocation. It might be sheet metal working. It might be um, glazing. You know, it might be carpentry. the challenge is, is when they get to the workforce, they may have to do that at height uh, or it, it, and they therefore have to operate a piece of equipment to get into position at height. Um, and they don't have that um, because that's not part of their vocational training. What we've learned is what industry has been saying back to the educational institutions is get these um, folks closer to job site readiness so we don't have to do it on the job site and we can in fact just verify that they have it mm-hmm. and so what we've been doing is absolutely working with learning institutions we just recently signed a, an MOU with um, a large regional college here in Alberta to actually create a, a micro credentials and micro accreditations that narrow that gap from just learning your vocation but then becoming job site ready as sooner than it would be if you had to actually just uh, still experience a lot of training on site. Yeah. And going back to your point earlier, I have to say personally, I am someone that learns by doing. So what you are saying totally makes sense to me. And I'm sure a lot of other people out there feel the exact same way, which is why this is so important. Agreed. So another big news story was Sirius Labs partnering with IPATH to develop the PAL Plus VR training modules. Can you tell me more about that? How does it benefit training? Sure. Well, Wade and I have been working with IPATH for several years. And one of the challenges was the traditional training very much was 
always how it was done. There was a theory part, and then there was a practical part, uh, and the test was always practical on the actual equipment. And it was even by their own admission, it was quite limiting because you can only do so much in a safe environment to test somebody's capabilities. I might add a shout out to Wade, in fact, took their um, power access license test and actually uh, scored 100%. I don't think wow. they've actually been on a real piece of equipment before, only on our simulator. But what we've what IPATH also offers is an advanced power access license. This is for more uh, dangerous and more precise type of manipulation of the boom and the scissor to get into more awkward positions. Um, and this was basically built out of necessity and working in big construction sites and you know around beams and things. Um, they had designed a course to meet the needs of industry for that. But the challenge was it was very cumbersome. You needed a lot of space outside. So weather would became an issue. You needed pieces of equipment available. You need a, a couple of trainers. You needed pylons. And then you needed to erect scaffolding or some other type of apparatus that the, 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 the training and testing could be done around. So as a result, it created a real bottleneck for people to be able to take that kind of training. Plus, it was also very expensive. Mm -hmm. in, over the last couple of years, uh, our team has been working with IPAP and we just got announced recently that uh, uh, after a whole 18 months, I think, Wade, of um, testing and piloting and, and, and uh, building the software and the simulator and augmenting the simulator itself to be able to deliver not only the training, but the testing exclusively on a simulator. And now, and I'll let Wade explain some of the reasons why that's important as far as mobility and access, you know, people having access to the industry, price point, um, ubiquity. I'll turn it over to you, Wade. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the, the big um, differentiator with the technology is that it is uh, it is something that is mobile. It's something that's accessible. You can you can bring it into the smallest of training depots where PAL Plus is, needs to be delivered, um, but couldn't, and that bottleneck is created, like Jim was describing. Um, with having a small piece of, of kit that fits literally inside of a boardroom, you can now uh, offer that as a training offering. If you're a, an IPATH certified training center, this is now a product offering that you can you can offer without having to um, you know rent massive pieces of equipment. Uh, this this test actually requires three pieces of equipment, which consumes a significant yard space. So training centers that have you know maybe don't have the yard space or the footprint um, or the or the equipment could easily adopt this and go ahead and use it. And, and our, our business model over in, in uh, the European market allow for one day, one week, one month sort of approach um, where it's sort of that on-demand requirement. So it's, it's really starting to get that, that, um, that adoption, that interest, and we're getting a lot of uh, traction uh, where IPATH offers. And, and as you may or may not know, IPATH does have a presence in North America. Mm -hmm. um, and that's now starting to be uh, a focus for us. And that'll be a big effort um, over the next year for us to approach um, IPATH and make sure that their training centers and, and their offerings are equipped with the tools to deliver that same level of training and competency and, um, and measurement of operators. Um, we've, you know, I kind of look at it as if you can't measure somebody, then you can't improve it. So, so you need to be able to see that through an objective tool like the simulator brings to bear. Absolutely. That'll be huge. Can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> so another news story. 
um, this one in December, is your partnership with Grand Prairie Regional College in Canada to help students gain access to innovative training solutions. Uh, why is this so important? You know, establishing good training in younger generations is key. So why, why is that important to you? Um, right. And that kind of goes back to your earlier question. It's to, to collapse that gap between vocational uh, institutional training and job site readiness. And um, because that's a tension, a natural tension between industry needs people to be better prepared and the vocational institutes not having the tools to get them there. They can teach you how to be a carpenter, but maybe not a carpenter at height uh, or to operate or to do something on that site um, that you know otherwise would have to be trained on the job site itself. And that's the whole point. So that, that particular um, relationship is fundamental. The, the president of the, um, of the college, uh, Dr. Murray, is a very progressive um, thinker in the, in, in the implementation of technology because he recognizes that kids come out of high school to join his institution and with the goal of having a job at the other end of it. But if all you have now is a ticket for something and you still need a whole bunch more training, you're back into the job market amongst a whole bunch of other people and some of those people that have been upskilled already may have an advantage over you so the more that the institution can get you to job site readiness the more um, the more employable you are and that's the ultimate goal is to create a really streamlined rate from you know kind of grade 12 or your secondary education right through to being job job site ready and employed so tying back into our last question, how can rental business owners prepare to train the incoming generation of operators? Right. So I'll start this and I'll turn it right over to Wade. You know, the rental industry is at an interesting inflection point themselves. I mean, they're basically a commodity business. You, you, you rent actual physical things. Um, but what uh, the real progressive rental companies are seeing is that their customers are asking for more. They're asking for solutions to be built around the equipment. Um, so when instead of just renting a piece of equipment, the training of it, the measurement of that training, and a whole bunch of other type of solutions that many of the more progressive rental companies are offering. This type of technology and whether they're delivering the, um, you know, the theory through e-learning or the practical through virtual reality accomplishes a whole bunch of goals for the rental companies. It enables them to offer the kind of training that their customers are asking for, but it also enables them to make sure that the people that are getting on that valuable equipment that they're renting are actually capable of operating it and they can measure that. Um, so it which succeeds in two ways, you know, less incidents as well as less um, wear and tear on the actual equipment. And I, you know, I, I was listening to your podcast with Jeff and uh, mentioning, you know, trying to get a, a life cycle out of a piece of equipment of eight to ten years well we can expand on how a competent operator can extend the life of a piece of equipment just by good operational habits and um uh, so wait i'll turn it over to you to maybe expand on that yeah so i think i think it, jim's dead right that, that the simulator because it's able to measure operators um, we can track all kinds of behaviors and skills as it relates to operating equipment. Um, not only can we track where they're looking at the time of moving equipment, if they haven't looked in a direction, we can track how they're functioning the equipment from 
joysticks to toggle switches, which ones they're moving correctly or incorrectly, and the, and the speed at which they're traveling through the environment, whether that's rough terrain or or through a pinch point. Um, we track all of that stuff and we measure it against uh, efficiency, safety, and proficiency, which is our scoring system that we've devised for our simulators. That that tells a story of of how many near misses that might that operator may have introduced through the task that they've been challenged to do. Um, on top of that, we're able to track a lot about the, the individual themselves. Um, you could track where their head is in, in, in the position uh, throughout the, the operation. So if, if, you know, if they aren't using best practices, even from an ergonomic standpoint, we can track that. We can track where their head is in relation to the bumps that they're traveling over. If they're extremely rough with their head, injuries could be forthcoming. So there's some, some predictive analysis that we can do with the data that we capture from our simulators that tell us a bigger story about the type of operators that these pieces of equipment are being rented to. If you take that level of, of measure and, and transparency to the operators, uh, and you take that to a rental company who's able to then audit their customers based on the use of those the equipment that they're renting, they can then start to identify some of their customers who they can then you know, high grade the skills, reduce their R&M and, and bring more benefit to the workforce that they're actually renting the equipment to. So it's sort of a big circle that uh, we're trying to dr drive value at every, every turn. You know, if the employer's workers are more efficient and more capable and operate the equipment smoother, uh, injuries are less likely. Uh, if, the, if the rental company is getting the equipment back from the customer and it's in better shape, uh, there's less R&M costs um, or clawbacks or difficult conversations with their customers. So, um, so it's all it's all a pretty complicated, uh, you know, narrative to to talk about. But it's it's pretty exciting, and we have conversations with with the customers and the rental companies to really make sure that they're connecting the dots to understand how they can bring value to one another. So we're going to jump into the big story of 2020, which is COVID-19. I am sure people are sick of hearing about it, but it is our reality. So how has it changed things for Sirius Labs? Has it caused any limitations or has it led to company growth in a positive way? We're hearing a lot of companies have switched gears or, you know, produce new things because of what's happening. So uh, how has it affected things for you? Well, certainly um, it is a mixed bag, uh, you know, and you don't try to find too many silver linings in a, in a, in a pandemic like this. It, you know, it's caused so much uh, heartache and, and, and uh, catastrophic events. You just, it, it's hard to describe, but um, when it, as it applies to our business and certainly in our relationship with the rental companies, they've been really, really hit hard because um, a lot of the um, big sites are down, they're closed. Um, it's, it's really hurt the OEMs because those very same rental companies have shut down all of their capital expenditures um, right across the board. Um, and, and of course, because we're, we sell capital assets too, it's impacted our, our, our revenues in this year. Saying that, what it's absolutely done is accelerated the adoption or the awareness of these types of training products and tools and, um, and the different types of modalities that we start to use in an everyday fashion like we are right now. Um, so 
that to us is quite exciting. So when I'm asked this question, and I get asked it a lot, I say it, it's, it's frozen us quite a bit. And 2020 itself has not been a positive year as far as business growth and uh, because we've been almost frozen ourselves. However, we haven't been frozen. We've been, um, I would say that we've uh, accelerated adoption and awareness of what we do by at least two or three years. So that's a real positive, because I, 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 as I say to my team and outside is, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. We've learned to do things differently now. We won't go back. Some will, some will try to force to go back to old ways of doing things. But now that we realize the efficiencies on doing things better, and as Wade has always said, you know, if you can create that better operator and measure that better operator, why would you go back to doing something that was more unpredictable and unmeasurable? Why would you revert just because that's what you're familiar with? So I would absolutely say that, um, you know, COVID, uh, uh, the adoption, certainly the awareness and the adoption has been uh, greatly accelerated. Uh, what are your thoughts, Wade? Yeah, I think I think all of that is is it's hit right on the head. I mean, that's it's pretty obvious that that there's been an impact. Um, I think we're no exception to the rule out there. I think, um, uh, you know, as a tech company with an office space downtown with a bunch of developers um, and business and marketing all under the same roof, um, there's efficiencies uh, and there's inefficiencies. And I think the pandemic has really forced us to take a hard look at business. And I think everybody has looked at their businesses to, to see where the efficiencies were uh, or where the inefficiencies were. Um, you know, there's, there's a, I was just thinking about the benefits that I've, I've, you know, personally had given the pandemic and, and to Jim's point, you know, silver linings are hard to point at because there's nothing, nothing great uh, that's been going on in 2020. I think we can all agree, but mm -hmm. from, from a work-life balance perspective, um, managing children that are in and out of school um, based on COVID cases spiking and uh, classes being ejected, um, I couldn't imagine doing that uh, downtown Edmonton and having to travel to my house to pick up my child. It has really created uh, a malleable work life that allows me to avoid commutes and get a lot, a lot more out of the day, have some great focus time, and have meaningful meetings. And I think there's some efficiencies and, and you know, selfishly from, from a tech company's perspective, there's a tech awareness that's being built into the, um, the businesses out there just by way of adopting, you know, um, uh, you know, tools like Zoom or, or Teams. Um, people aren't as afraid of computers and technology anymore. And I think that drives right to the point that Jim was saying is that adoption is starting to be sped up. Conversations with, with organizations that we've had pre-COVID were, yeah, we're about five years away. We're putting together some strategies and plans, but it's going to take some time. Some of those organizations have come back and said, you know what, uh, that, that's been shortcut. That has to be within the next 18 to 24 months. So um, I think the big question now is can, can organizations like ourselves uh, react to that timeline uh, and still be efficient and effective? But, um, you know, hopefully 2021, uh, starts to, to settle down and people can get back to uh, the business that they're focused on rather than sort of damage control on every corner uh, and, uh, you know, get back to business as usual, as usual and normal as it possibly can be. Absolutely. And I think those are two A's for 2020 is adapting and adoption. So you touched on that perfectly. Um, 
In that last question, you briefly touched on how the pandemic has affected training and overall daily business functions, but what have you seen the most with training? How has it been impacted by COVID? Well, certainly, um, you know, our partners in the rental industry, well, so many in the U.S. in particular, the sites are still down for visitors, like for customers and vendors, which means that the, the, the classrooms on those sites are shut down uh, if, in, a, in a large part, not saying exclusively, but certainly where the spikes are. And obviously, the second wave has been very impactful. Um, so what has that done on the other side of it? It's absolutely uh, created real opportunity in the e-learning and WebEx type of delivery. So those modalities have been increased. Uh, one of our partners, United Rentals, it's increased 100%. Uh, the use of the uh, the their e-learning solutions that we actually built for them. Um, uh, we've seen uh, uh, IPATH has had a, an increase of 800% in their use of their e-learning product uh, for the, uh, through their training centers because the classrooms weren't available. So certainly on those, uh, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, that was the only utility. And then now people are seeing like, well, look, why were we doing it that way anyway? It's the same as Wade was saying, why drive downtown and have this meeting or let's all fly to Detroit. We're all <laughs> Edmonton when you know this is this has its own uh, so certainly for training you know training needs to be where training where the work is done and the more that that training can be delivered in the to where the work is done in the modality that learner prefers um you know and that's not ex that, that's not exclusive you know some people do like to learn in a classroom environment with a real person sometimes that can be projected onto a webex other people like self-paced learning through e-learning and simulators are just a terrific way to put people in dangerous positions without actually putting them in harm's way. So all these different modalities, what we do believe creates an ecosystem for training that um, you know that enables us to move into the 21st century with a new um, generation of workforce uh, that uh, you know is going to learn better, faster, cheaper, um, and more measurable. You know, as Wade kind of said, uh, what do you think, Wade? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's sort of, well, I mean, you know, we, we, as Jim mentioned, we work with, with United Rentals. We have fairly frequent calls with them, uh, about how things are going and, and, um, you know, it's not, it's not great. Uh, there's still a, a year that has to come out and that, that's just getting back to their core business, right? So trying to get back to their customer base, build their business. Um, our job is to make sure that, you know, people are able to train with our technology in a safe fashion. So we spent a lot of time identifying all of the gaps around sanitization. How do you do that? What's the workflow of getting somebody on and off? Um, what are the best practices? I mean, virtual reality is something that you put on somebody's face. Um, what are the concerns that you have to address around that? Um, we spent a lot of time over the last eight months making sure that we can still win the hearts and minds and get that customer confidence back into the product um, and that includes our channel partners. It includes our, our direct customers. Uh, it includes our own staff. You can get very disheartened when, when this sort of the world we're in um, is, is putting all of the hurdles in the way. And I think, I think we're just one of those uh, companies trying to find a path forward. And I think there's been a lot of progress and a lot of 
interest and and i think the fear of of uh the impact of a of a pandemic is starting to wane in terms of doing business because if you can do it safe um you know you can still succeed um when it comes to training reducing a number of people in a classroom is is probably um in, in ensuring that the retention of those those that are remaining in the classroom um are still quite successful right so instead of having 12 16 people now you have six eight people Mm-hmm. A little more intimate, a um, little more knowledge transfer, a little bit more open discussion. It probably makes it more engaging. So, there, you know, the platform and the and sort of that flip the classroom concept that uh, a lot of us have been talking about for years. Uh, the pandemic has certainly forced that, and I think training providers and rental companies are really moving uh, in a positive direction to adopt and, and uh, to adapt and and uh, adopt this sort of technology and and the world we're in. So, it's been quite exciting. Great. Well, I think that is everything I have for you today. So thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you had a great time. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Excellent. Thanks, Alexis. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's all we have for you today. Thanks to Jim and Wade for their time and great conversation. Tune in every other Wednesday for another episode of Rentals The Bottom Line on 4 And hey, you know this by now. Don't forget to subscribe now so you can stay on top of the bottom line. Thanks for listening.